know, my big thing when I was a starter was always do everything you can to be totally prepared for those games. There's no reason why you shouldn't have seen their film 20 times. You know, being picked 244, I, I've got a chip on my shoulder, I promise you that. Um, so I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, make a name for myself and, and help the team along the way. What is up, Vikings fans? Welcome to another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This is episode 49, and we had a special guest on this episode. We have quarterbacks, Hawkeyes, and we're covering the ESPY awards uh, that went on this past week. So a lot of fun things going on on this edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm going to welcome in Jay because I just did a little teaser there um, on the guest this week. I, th- I think we had a pretty cool guest. Yeah, man. Nate was really good. It seems like he's uh, really getting comfortable with his role, at least within the team. And it sounds like the offseason has been going pretty well for those guys. So the interview that you did with Nate was really, really good. And I look forward to having people hear that here shortly. Today's guest will be Nate Stanley, the Vikings' first quarterback drafted since the year 2014 when the team drafted Teddy Bridgewater. So very exciting to talk to Nate Stanley, um, hear about what is going on in these virtual meetings in the quarterback room, uh, hear his his relationships with our offensive coordinator, Gary Kubiak, that go back uh, connections of three decades with uh, with the offensive coordinator, Gary Kubiak. You'll, you'll hear more about that later. Uh, but first, producer Jay Nelson has come up with a cool topic uh, on this quarterback-themed episode as ESPN.com took a look at the 32 NFL teams' all-time quarterback draftees um, and, and pretty much ranked 1 through 32 how each team in the NFL has done in its history drafting quarterbacks because – like I said, it's been a while since the Vikings have drafted one, and a lot of a lot of experts feel very highly about the selection of Nate Stanley. I know he was a late round pick, uh, Jay, but um, we I've heard we've heard the Tom Brady comparisons, and and I'm gonna let you say a little bit more about it. But we've heard the Brady comparisons because obviously Tom Brady was drafted late. He was a sixth round pick. I mean, that's that's the thing for for a guy like Nate Stanley. I think everybody moving forward is going to be compared to Tom Brady because Tom is essentially the gold standard at this point for any team that can find somebody that late in the draft and make all-time Hall of Famer come out of that draft pick. I think if you're a guy like Nate Stanley and you're already getting some of the Tom Brady comparisons, you've got to feel pretty good about yourself in general. At the same point, that's a heck of a lofty goal to get to. So hopefully for Nate's standpoint and for ours, that is something that actually can come to fruition. So we will see how this goes over the next couple of years. We talked about the late round selection comparison, but there are a lot more comparisons between Tom Brady and Nate Stanley. But first, before we get into that interview with Nate Stanley, we're going to go through quickly the ESPN.com ranking of all 32 teams and their histories drafting NFL quarterbacks. We'll start with the name that was already spoken multiple times. Um, The number one team drafting quarterbacks is the New England Patriots. Tom Brady was drafted number 199 in the year 2000. Obviously one of the top quarterbacks in the history of the game. Yeah, very fun fact that the Patriots also drafted another MVP 
of the NFL, and that's Rich Gannon. He didn't do it with the Patriots, um, but he was drafted by the team in the fourth round in 1987. So, uh, yeah, the Patriots have done a pretty good job drafting quarterbacks. Uh, not 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 fun to uh, to talk about how great they are at, at at things like this. Yeah, I know you're not necessarily the biggest New England Patriot fan growing up a Jets fan, but the thing about it for me is that if you do look at at this list of some of the guys that they had picked, kind of their best and worst. I mean, when you have a guy like Tom Brady picked 199, and then you have Rich Gannon picked in the fourth round, that's definitely going to help your average of picking above where that people were supposed to be. So the New England Patriots at number one do not surprise me at this point. This is uh, when you think of the the teams that are ranked high on this list, you can pretty much picture the players in your head. The Los Angeles Chargers are a team where you wouldn't picture the exact players in your head because they drafted Drew Brees and uh, gave up on him after a shoulder injury. Uh, after drafting him with the 32nd overall pick in 2001, obviously an amazing value pick for the team. Um, a, a very not great valuable pick was drafting Ryan Leaf, who is regarded as one of the all-time busts uh, with the number two pick in the 1998 NFL draft. But also they drafted Dan Fouts, an absolute stud, Eli Manning, who they later traded on draft day for Phillip Rivers. Uh, and they drafted Trent Green, who went on to be a very good player for one of their rivals in the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, the Chargers, that list right there of those, you know, four of the the top tier guys that they had picked, all of them are, are in the kind of Hall of Fame type discussions I mean Trent Green at Kansas City was pretty dang good and I remember watching him when uh, they would scrimmage against the Vikings when when the Chiefs were over in River Falls and they would have those co-op practices between Trent and Eli Dan Fouts who we still hear from with all of his announcing that he's been doing and then Drew Brees I mean those are four top tier guys so that that makes sense as to why the Chargers are definitely up here close to the top at number two I certainly agree with the number three team, the Indianapolis Colts, the best value pick, number one overall in 1998, Peyton Manning. Uh, also drafted Andrew Luck. And many people forget that they drafted John Elway, who refused to play for the Colts. It was the Baltimore Colts at the time, um, but they did draft him with the number one overall pick. And he later, obviously, went to the Denver Broncos. So. The Atlanta Falcons, number four. I'd, I'd like to say, Jay, that they've had some success with quarterbacks. Yes, they, this is another team similar to the Chargers that has four top-tier guys that you can point at, but the best value in my eyes is is completely correct, and it's one of those where, as an ownership group with the, the Falcons, you've got to look at it and say, how did we let this one get away? But little did they know that, that a little guy picked at number 33 in 1991 was going to be the shining diamond on this list for them. So congratulations to the Green Bay Packers to, for making that trade for Brett Favre in 1992, I believe, the year after. And so the Falcons' best pick was Brett Favre at number 33 in 1991. There are other draft history notable uh, selections were Matt Ryan, Matt Schaub, and Michael Vick. So Favre, Ryan, Schaub, and Vic, all four of those players are, are dang good players. And, and a lot of people that, especially my generation, can look at and say that's four top-tier selections that the Atlanta Falcons made over the years. Going through the next couple teams quickly, the Miami Dolphins, they selected Dan Marino with the number 27 pick. It's crazy how far he fell in that draft. Uh, that was the same draft as John Elway. 
So very, very interesting um, with how great of a player he ended up being. Many consider him the best all-around skill quarterback of all time. Joe Theismann, Bob Greasy, and this year's selection, who I love, uh, one of my all-time college favorites, Tua Tagovailoa. So um, the, the Dolphins have earned their spot at number five. Number six, a team who, who could probably be put up right around there. Uh, ben Roethlisberger was number 11 out of the University of Miami, Ohio in 2004. Uh, Terry Bradshaw, Neil O'Donnell, Cordell Stewart. That's a name drop for you, uh, for you NFL fans. Um, and, and yeah, go ahead, Jay. I used to love watching Slash Cordell Stewart because everyone, when he, <laughs> he was one of those guys that came out and everyone said, well, he's probably not going to be a quarterback. He might be a wide receiver or something along those lines. And then he still tore it up pretty dang good. So the Pittsburgh Steelers had, again, four top-tier players there with Roethlisberger, Terry Bradshaw, Neil O'Donnell, and Cordell Stewart. That's a, that's a very good quarterback class right there. All right, these next two teams are very familiar for you Vikings fans. Number seven is the Green Bay Packers uh, value pick. It was that guy number 12 um, in the 2005 NFL draft, and uh, he was picked number 24 overall. A lot of people remember seeing that that image of him with his terrible flip haircut um, sitting there waiting and waiting to get selected and, and ended up going uh, to the Packers. Other players selected here uh, were Mark Brunel, Matt Hasselbeck, who obviously did not stay there for, for too long. And obviously this year uh, there was another quarterback taken by the Green Bay Packers, Jay. Yes, there was. And 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 so here's the thing to think about. You've got your Rodgers, Brunel, Hasselbeck, all of them being starters in the NFL. Again, it's an embarrassment of riches. I think it's got to be very difficult when you do make the trade for a guy like a Brett Favre and you just know he's got the position on lockdown. It's got to feel similar with the Patriots when they had Tom Brady in there grabbing, you know, Garoppolo's and Brissett's and some of these other players in the background. You just have a guy who is not going to give up the position no matter what the value is for, for the financial costs. And so... Again, the Packers have had a, a litany of quarterbacks come through their area. And, and to be honest, for the last, what, at least 20 years, they've had two Hall of Famers starting under center every single week. So the Green Bay Packers at number seven, it makes total sense. Number eight is your Minnesota Vikings, the best value pick. Uh, we did a draft diary segment on this player earlier, number 227, Brad Johnson, who ended up being a very solid uh, left-handed quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, but also drafted uh, was Dante Culpepper, who I think is one of the most undervalued and underrated quarterbacks in NFL history, uh, considering the stats that that he put up in a in a maybe a shorter amount of time than you would have liked as a Vikings fan. Um, but but when I think of the Vikings growing up on the East Coast, um, thinking about the superstars and and the offense. I think about Dante Culpepper. Uh, I know a lot of people outside of that area. He's he's who you think of growing up in the 90s as a Minnesota Vikings fan. Yeah, Dante was great, and it was kind of one of those pieces that just fit when it was Dante, and then you ended up having alongside of him the the Carters, the Klein Saucers, Moss. 
Robert Smith, you've got a whole litany of people. And when Dante was there at quarterback, it just fit like puzzle pieces that fit there with him. And he had the arm. He had some speed. He had the size, especially on goal lines. And Dante, for a, like you said, a shorter amount of time than Viking fans would have wanted, had an incredible career. And and the Viking fans growing up in that era, whether they're here in Minnesota or just outside people watching, like you said, Dante's face was was the face of that team as the quarterback and he had a great career here with the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I think he made a Madden cover as well, which was which was pretty cool. Um, rounding out the list for the Vikings, Tommy Kramer and Wade Wilson, uh, two very solid, um, also probably a little underrated NFL quarterbacks um, when it comes to the history of the NFL. So, and and two very valued um, people within the organization as as those those uh, older fans of the Minnesota Vikings always point back to the to the days of Tommy Kramer and Wade Wilson. So, uh, yeah, the Vikings land in the top ten. Rounding out the top 10 is the New York Giants, who did take Phillip Rivers in that Eli Manning trade in 2004, and the Dallas Cowboys, who, man, oh, man, they drafted Troy Aikman, they've drafted Dak Prescott, um, they drafted Danny White at number 53 in 1974, another great player. So um, Tony Roma doesn't count on this list, Jay, because uh, he wasn't drafted, but I, I think we give we throw him a bone there. Again, that's another one of those situations where if you can pick up a, a player like a Tony Romo as an undrafted free agent, that's an even bigger bonus and an even bigger win because you don't have to use any draft capital and it doesn't cost you as much uh, sitting on that rookie contract. So the Cowboys over the years have had some huge, huge names at quarterback. And this list here with at least a bunch of the modern people as well definitely shows the Cowboys have always had pretty good quarterback play here in the league. Speaking of Dak Prescott and Tony Romo, two players who were taken a little later on in the draft, we're going to turn the page to our quarterback who was drafted a little later on in the draft, and that's Nate Stanley. Uh, We did a little preview of the interview that we did earlier in the week with him um, before, but uh, we'll take a look at at a player who is really a smart player, um, a seventh-round draft pick. Many experts are picking him as a sleeper guy who can pay huge dividends in the future. Um, the Todd McShays of the world have good things to say about him. The the Matt Millers of Bleacher Report. Um, you can go and find the, those those previews and and expert analysis online. But but they were very interesting to read. Um, and it was awesome to catch up with 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 Nate being a multi-sport athlete in high school. Jay, I think he probably had some fun in high school because he was an All-American basketball player who holds the points record um, at his high school for for all time. He scored like over 1,300 points as a 6'4 uh, basketball player who actually he said he had some handles, so he, he thinks he played the guard position. Uh, we'll have to check, check up on him on that. But um, also an outstanding baseball player and, as we know, a pretty good quarterback uh, football player. So, uh, Jay, do you have anything else to add before we, we listen into the interview? I think the thing that really came across with Nate was just how much he enjoyed his time being able to play in, in those amateur sports and especially having a, a father who was a coach in some of those those leagues. And so it just came across the love of the sport and the love of, of the amount of time that he got to spend not only with his family, but with his friends. And uh, I, hopefully that comes across here in the interview that you did with us earlier this week. So, Why don't we take a second here and jump on into the Nate Stanley interview. What's up, Vikings fans? This is Chris Corso here with the Vikings 
newest quarterback, and that is Nate Stanley out of the University of Iowa. These Vikings fans probably know you pretty well, not in the uh, the good way, <laughs> because a lot of them are Minnesota Gopher fans. So what was it like just playing in Minnesota in college, and now you get to play for the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, um, you know, obviously playing in Minnesota, they've got great facilities up there, you know, in, in a great program. You know, Coach Fleck has done a great job with them, and, and you know, it was always awesome to come play you know, up in Minnesota and then play them in Iowa City too because they were always close games and always hard-fought games for sure. What is it about these big games that you just step up and play really well in? No, I mean, I think one is it's just, you know, all the, always those rivalry games, those are huge games, especially when you play in college. You know, they're, they're kind of like your divisional games, but, um, you know, it, it's just awesome. I think something about the fans, you know, is awesome that gives us that extra energy. Um, you and that's one thing, too, about playing Minnesota is those fans are crazy. So, you know, it's all—it's always awesome to play in those games because of the fans, the environment. Um, you know, everything that surrounds the games really make it what it is, I think. Yeah, so speaking of those fans, you got to give them something to, to support you now. So you, you definitely you definitely probably enjoyed playing against them, but now you're, you're playing for those fans. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, you know, hopefully they don't hate me too much, um, <laughs> which, uh, you know, I, I know I, I think that they'll – welcome welcome anybody that's on their team with open arms for sure um you know great people I grew up not too far away from Minneapolis so um you know a lot of people from my hometown are are Vikings fans and and they're they're diehard fans through and through so um you know I'm excited to to get up to Minneapolis and you know show everybody what I can do yeah so growing up in Wisconsin you were not just a star quarterback in high school you were also a hoops player as well as a baseball player. So what was that dynamic like just playing a ton of different sports? And and I think you had like a school record on the hardwood just scoring like over 1,300 points in high school. Yeah, um, you know, growing up, sports was my life, really. So, um, you know, I was I was a part of the, the high school football program as a ball boy when I was in kindergarten through seventh grade until I started playing tackle football. And then same with basketball. My dad was a head coach. Um, since I was born until I was in fourth grade, I think. So, um, you know, I was always around sports. Just that competitive nature was always in me, you know, because it was forced to be, um, you know, and something that I really enjoy, you know. So it's it's awesome to get to play sports. You know, you get to interact with a bunch of different groups of people. Uh, one, because you're playing against, you know, every single school in your conference and every sport, you know, you get to meet new kids. And then also, too, within your own school, uh, you know, I had different friend groups depending on what, what sport it was. You know, it was always fun to, you know, branch out and, and meet new people and, and become friends with, with more than just, you know, that one sports friends, you know. I mean, you're 6'4 now. Were you that tall in high school? Because I assume you were a big man. Do, do, do you have some handles or could you play the guard position a little bit? <laughs> so, so, I mean, growing up with my dad being the, the coach, I was kind of forced to just do everything, um, practice everything. So, um, and then when I was in high school, it was kind of wherever I was at on the floor. Um, you know, I'd post up. If I got the rebound, I'd bring the ball up the floor. I'd run the wing. Um, you know, kind of just depended on where I was at on the floor. But, you know, whatever my coach asked me to do that week or, or for that game, I was going to do it, um, you know, to the best of my abilities and try to help the team win. What was it like playing for your dad in high school? I mean, that had to have some kind of impact on your life and, and probably transferred over to the football field as well. He was an assistant football coach, so I still got to play for him. You know, it was just awesome to be able to share those memories with him, those moments with him. You know, I was I got hurt my junior year, and I was out for, for five games. And then that first game back, we won in an in overtime game. It was, it was an awesome game. And, 
just being able to hug him after the game was probably one of my favorite sports moments that I've ever had. Just to be be with him and celebrate those moments with him, it's extremely special and, and really awesome to get to do that. And obviously being around sports from the time I was in kindergarten, um, you know, really shapes me, you know, shapes that work work ethic, you know, that intensity, that, that love for the game that he showed me on a daily basis kind of shaped me into who I am today. And and, you know, how I try to attack every single day, you know, on the football field or, or in my personal life. Going back to your career at the University of Iowa, you won 27 games. I mean, that's a lot of games in the Big Ten. What was it like going up against that quality of, of defenses, playing the Michigans of the world, and really putting up some really good numbers for the University of Iowa? Yeah, uh, you know, one, I think it just it prepares you well for playing in the NFL. Um you know, I, I want to say my, my sophomore year, my first year starting, I think the first six games of the year, we saw six totally different defensive schemes. It was nuts. Like my, my offensive coordinator was like, I've never seen anything like this because every single team had like a specific package or, or different things that they would do. So, you know, I definitely think that I got exposed to a lot of different defensive systems and schemes that, that can help me, uh, you know, translate to the NFL. So, you know, in college, there wasn't much that I didn't see you know, thankfully playing in the Big Ten and then in those bowl games where we played ACC, SEC, and then Pac-12 schools, you know, it, it was awesome experience and, you know, really thankful for my time at Iowa that, and it's helped me prepare well for the NFL. Speaking of some competition, a big bowl game was against USC this year and you played outstanding in that game. Tell the, tell the Vikings fans just how that game really, I mean, it was your last showing in, in college and you showed out pretty well. It definitely probably helped your draft stock a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, playing playing a marquee opponent like that, it's always it's always special to to get to play in those games. the The time you get from the from the last game of the season to the bowl game, you know, is a month, a month and a half. So it, it's you can spend that time as wisely as you want, or you can kind of waste waste a lot of it. So you know, my big thing when I was a starter was always do everything you can to to be totally prepared for those games. Um, there's no reason why you shouldn't have seen their film, you know, 10, 15, 20 times for every situation that you're going to be in. So, um, you know, that's kind of the attitude I took going into this year too for that game and, and um, you know, really just did everything I could to, to try to help my team. You know, the, the, whole, the whole game was, was an awesome game. Our defense played extremely well. You know, they had a high-powered offense, you know, with, with uh, some of those receivers and then the quarterback that they had. So our defense played well. Our special teams had a kick return for a touchdown, which was huge. And then again, I think just just those fans, man, they they travel well to all of our bowl games. And it was awesome. You know, I think with with USC being, what, an hour and a half from San Diego, I think we had just as many fans there as they did. So, you know, it was an awesome, awesome experience in a great bowl game. Another game I want to talk about from your college career was the game when you beat the Gophers at Iowa and every every Gopher fan knows that that team has not won many games in Iowa in the recent past at all so how much did that mean to you to win that big game at the end of the season right before the bowl game yeah um you know it's always huge to go into that postseason game you know on a high note yeah I think we had one more game one or two more games after that point but you know we had we had lost a couple close games and we we needed needed that game to to kind of propel us and, and help us so you know whenever we play you know, Minnesota, um, Iowa State, or Nebraska, those rivalry games are, are, are huge for us. It's, it's awesome to, to win for your teammates that are the, from those states. You know, and it's, it's extremely special because, one, there's so much more intensity 
and passion in those games. Not saying there's not passion in the other games, but it almost yeah. seems to be amplified a lot. And it's just awesome to to be able to win those games because they are huge momentum builders and and can help carry you through, you know, one or two or three more games, which is awesome. And then obviously just being able to celebrate with your teammates after the game, you know, hold up that trophy. Uh, that trophy is heavy. It's super heavy. And to be able to to hold it up, you know, with your teammates, it's it's awesome, you know, taking pictures after the game. It, it's something special and, and definitely memories that, that I'll have for the rest of my life. So we got a chance to speak to one of your biggest fans a few weeks ago, and that's Vikings offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak. I think he knows a thing or two about quarterbacks and developing uh, the quarterback position. So what has it been like working with Gary and, and maybe talk about your interactions uh, throughout the, the draft process? Yeah, so on the way to the Combine, I flew from, from Cedar Rapids, Iowa to Minneapolis and then Minneapolis to Indianapolis. I was on the same flight with, with the Viking staff. So I talked to, to Coach Kubiak. I talked to Clint Kubiak, his son, before we got on the plane to go to Indianapolis, which was awesome. Wow. I think it was really cool to just kind of interact with them before everything started getting crazy down in Indianapolis. And, and um, you know, hopefully I, I gave him a good first impression, which I think I did. But then – yeah, just being in meetings with Coach Kubiak, it's it's been awesome because he knows so much about football and there's so many things, so many insights that he has that can help somebody or can can help you see things a different way that you might might have not thought of before. Be like, oh yeah, that that helps a lot. Like that's that's a new way to think about it, and I that's better than the way that I was thinking about it. So he obviously knows a lot about football, you know, and I think I have a pretty cool connection with him because. My freshman year at Iowa, my offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach was Coach Kubiak's coach in college, um, Coach Greg Davis, which was which was awesome. He met, he mentioned that he said he talked to a few of the, the staff at Iowa about you. Yeah, so you know, obviously being there with Coach Davis and you know him recruiting me, I think that was that was also helpful because you know I don't think they would have recruited me if they didn't like me. They didn't like me as a person, so definitely an extra you know, person that they could call on to, you know, see who I am as a person and, and then, um, you know, help just build that relationship. So it's been awesome so far, you know, now we're done with, with off season uh, meetings and stuff. So, you know, in that month and a half, two months that we were meeting four or five times a week, you know, it, it was really good, you know, really productive. And I think I've learned a lot about this offensive system and, and just about football in general. Yeah. You ended up on the same flight as him to the combine. I think you're, you're meant to be a Minnesota Viking. <laughs> Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I heard a little rumor that growing up in Wisconsin, you grew up a Chicago Bears fan. And and I, I hope that's changed by now. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's out that was out the window the second I got that phone call from the from the Vikings. So yeah, my, my dad grew up in Illinois, probably about an hour and a half away from Chicago. So growing up, you know, the Bears and the Cubs were were what was on TV. So I don't know if you can tell, but there's a Brian Urlacher bobblehead right there. That's my, right, dad's favorite, my dad's favorite players ever, you know, and although he's a Chicago Bears fan, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So I figured it's okay to leave it up. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's just what was on TV, you know, and my dad, obviously being that, that, um, you know, role model in, in sports for me, you know, that's something I just latched on to as a kid, you know, so I was, I was a Bears fan, but I was a fan of, you know, whatever quarterback was the best, best of the best. So, you know, guys like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, you know, Brett Favre, those guys, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of my, my role models growing up and, and people that I'm trying to mold my game after. I bet you liked watching Sammy Sosa hit home runs growing up. 
He was he was I was still pretty young when he was playing, so um, I don't really remember much about you know him. But is there there's that new documentary on him, right? Yeah. I gotta look at that. Um, I know my dad was watching it the other day, so I, I'm gonna have to take a look at that. Yeah, you got to see that because he he hit a bunch of home runs that year, and he actually got the MVP over Mark McGuire. So that 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 was a great season. But um, yeah, going back just just growing up and you're so close to Minnesota did did you visit Minnesota at all as a kid um before you played there as a college athlete so they always had seven on seven tournaments uh with coach kill and when I was in high school uh we always I don't know how we got invites to these seven on seven tournaments I don't know if my <laughs> coach was working some magic or what but we always ended up playing at the Gophers practice facility in seven on seven tournaments um, at least once a summer. So we would play there. Um, I played a lot of AAU basketball over in the cities. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think most of my interaction in Minneapolis and the Gophers in general was was through 7-on-7 seven seven football. But then being, uh, you know, kind of the metropolitan area that it is, a lot of shops, you go over there, you know, on a Saturday. Mall of America did that a couple times growing up. Went to a few um, Twins games, uh, you know, which was always fun. So, yeah, I had a, I had a lot of a lot of times where I'd go over there, spend a day or two, you know, shopping, going to going to the Twins games. Um, my sophomore year of college, I went to the Vikings Bears game on New Year's New Year's Day. Um, oh wow! Bikes got after them pretty good, uh, you know, which is which is awesome. So that was my first experience with the new stadium over there. But then, you know, I, I'd go to Twins games in the Metrodome when I was little, and then obviously uh, Target Field when I was a little bit older. So yeah, I've definitely spent some time over in Minneapolis and, and it's a great place. So your dad's a big fan of Brian Urlacher, but I know a linebacker that played for the Vikings that was a big time athlete at the University of Iowa. And that's, that's Chad Greenway, who we also got a chance to speak to um, last week. And he's like, I am so happy the Vikings drafted Nate Stanley. Yeah. He was an honorary captain for us two or three years ago. Um, I can't, I can't remember exactly, but yeah, he's a great guy. Um, I've met him, talked to him, um, you know, so I know he had a great career, uh, uh, you know, in Minneapolis, and, and I'm excited to, you know, be one of those next players from Iowa to the Vikings. You know, hopefully I can make a name for myself and, you know, have a career like him. I heard that you were the highest uh, score on the Wonderlick out of all the quarterbacks. You scored like a four. Is that like, did you get like a perfect score on that test? So I, I, I got a 40 on it. Um, a perfect wow. score would be a 50. But it's, it's 12 minutes to answer 50 questions. So you get like it's like 12 seconds a question to answer. You know, it's tough. I know some teams put more stock into it than others. You know, so I, I mean, academics was always a big focus for for me as a kid. Um, not only is my dad a, a coach, but he was a teacher at the high school in my hometown, too. So it was always academics first because, you know, without academics, you're not able to play sports. So that was always stress for me as a kid. You know, it's, it's kind of transferred over and, in, in, you know, into my study habits in college. And then, you know, obviously with, with more practice, you know, you can, can be able to think and, and get through those questions a lot faster. But, yeah, thankfully I, I did well on it. You know, I, I don't think that that hurt my draft stock by any means. So, um, you know, definitely doing well on it, I think, helped me a little bit. So the Vikings starting quarterback, Kirk Cousins, one of the things that, that I love that he does the most is right after the Vikings players are drafted, he reaches out to them right away and welcomes them, welcomes them to the team. I think he did that with you as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think it was – I can't remember if it was that night or, or the next morning, but um, you know, I, I had a text from him and 
congratulating me. And then, you know, he, he, you know, shared some personal stories, you know, about him and his family. He, I think his mom, he told me went to the university of Iowa. So he had some connections to the university, which he shared with me. And then, yeah, just congratulated me. And then, you know, throughout the next, next two or three days, Jake and Sean both reached out to me and congratulated me as well. So yeah, I definitely had a, had a warm welcome to the, to the team. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get to work with, with those guys. And then coach Clinton and, and coach Kubiak, you know, when things get going again. Yeah. What, what have those meetings been like with Kirk? I know he brings like special guests into the meetings and, and he's been having a little fun with it. Tell the Vikings fans a little bit about those quarterback room virtual meetings. Yeah. So it's, it's always a good time. It's always fun. He, he's a funny guy. Um, you know, and then he, he brought on Sir V who's a huge Vikings fans. He's, he's the guy that, that covers his whole body in paint. Um, you know, wears the, the helmet, you know, the shoulder pads with the spikes on them. Huge Vikings fan. Sir V lives like 10 or 15 minutes away from his parents do in Orlando or something like that. <laughs> He's down visiting his parents and, um, you know, he asked them to, to come on. So, you know, that was that was awesome, you know, just to interact with him and, you know, see what, what Vikings Nation is all about and, and how passionate they are. Yeah, last question here. I I was checking out some of the, the analysis on you coming out of Iowa and the Todd McShays of the world, the Matt Millers of Bleacher Report, the Daniel Jeremiah's, they, they all have great things to say about you. And they, they bring up the Tom Brady comparison, being a Big Ten guy, a, a big-sized quarterback, a smart quarterback um, who made great decisions in the pocket and played well in, in big games in college. So what do you have to say about that comparison? That's It's, been, it's, it's floating around a little bit. Yeah, you know, anytime you're compared to somebody like that, you know, it's it's extremely flattering and it's only comparisons at this point. You know, now it's up to me to to go out there and show what I can do. You know, and obviously Tom Brady went into his career with a chip on his shoulder, you know, being picked 244, I, I've got a chip on my shoulder, I promise you that. Um, so I'm going to do everything I can to, to you know, make a name for myself and, and help the team along the way. Well, you're definitely a, a well-rounded guy playing a bunch of sports and, and scoring 40 out of 50 on the Wonderlick test. So um, great to get to know you, and, and hopefully we'll see you back at the facility pretty soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, well, thanks again to Nate Stanley for joining the show. Uh, he was very generous uh, with his time, giving us about 20 minutes there. Uh, really appreciated him showing off his uh, Brian Erlacher bobblehead um, that you will get to see if you look uh, on vikings.com or on the vikings youtube page uh, we don't like supporting chicago bears but if there's one to respect and and one to understand uh, why he's got that bobblehead it's definitely brian urlacher as we know adrian peterson and that hall of fame linebacker had some some good battles back in the day i got a confession here when it comes down to having jerseys of other players and other teams Brian Urlacher is actually one of the jerseys I used to have. So when it comes to NFL jerseys outside of the Vikings, which I don't have very many, period, Brian Urlacher is one that my buddy actually got me years ago as a birthday gift, and I had that for many, many, many years. So yes, I too could could identify with somebody outside there saying Urlacher is, is a Hall of Famer, and uh, he's absolutely somebody that I would try and model my game after if I was playing linebacker in the NFL. Last thing to round up that interview, and, and I, we touched on it earlier, but the connections that he has with Gary Kubiak and, and what Gary Kubiak really uh, believes that this guy can learn and do, um, you can go back and listen to a few of our 
uh, Minnesota Vikings podcast interviews with Gary Kubiak and Iowa alum Chad Greenway. These two guys had nothing but great things to say about Nate Stanley. So the connections with the Vikings, the the smart uh, football IQ that he has, I'm really excited. Everyone says I'm a Kirk Cousins guy, which which I rightfully so am. But I am very excited to see what Nate Stanley can do, just being able to watch him and and see what he did in college and all the big games that he won. So um, that'll wrap it up for Nate Stanley. Um, Thanks again for joining. And we are going to wrap up this edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast with one more short segment before we take a – we're taking a break, Jay, after this. Yes, I need a break. We all need a break. (laughs) I think we've all felt like we've been on break, but mentally at the same point – when it's actually a big holiday week or weekend coming up here, we in the Vikings organization, the the ownership and people have been generous enough to, to give us some extended time off over the 4th of July holiday over the last couple of years. And for all of us knowing that this is right before the season's about to officially kick in, it's something that everybody looks forward to. So yes, we're going to take a couple week break here and we'll be back uh, the, the second week of July with another show. So we will uh, finish this one up here and then we will see you guys in a couple weeks after that so uh enjoy your july 4th vikings fans but first um we're gonna go over this last bit of info for uh you guys to aquarius Ware, who uh is just an amazing story of what he's overcome in his life and the vikings actually honored him earlier um at a game at u.s bank stadium so there are certainly ties with the vikings organization and what uh, to Aquarius Ware has gone through, and, and it is just amazing that he was honored with the ESPN Jimmy V Award uh, for Perseverance at this, at this year's ESPY Awards, Jay. For those of you who don't know who Taquarius uh, TQ Ware is, uh, he won the ESPN Jimmy V Award the other night for Perseverance. And his story is that when he was a child at the age of six, there was a terrible house fire that happened. His mother had grabbed he and his sister and taken them outside for safety. And then she went back in to get her other two kids. Well, he and his sister followed her back into the house. And unfortunately, his sister passed in the fire. Taquarius was burned on over 55% of his body and was given a 20% chance to live. And after enduring a month in a coma and multiple surgeries, he, he lost most of the fingers on one of his hands. And that didn't stop him from being a vivacious little boy at the age of seven. He said he wanted to play football and through multiple surgeries for for skin grafts and dealing with scar tissue and just trying to have a normal life. Um, Taquarius ended up playing football and is now a running back at the Masabi Range College in northern Minnesota. Um, and so, like you'd said, you know, back in August, we had recognized him as a, a Vikings hometown hero at the Seattle Seahawks game. And one of the things that was really cool about it was um, he was able to meet uh, Shaquem Griffin on the sideline at that game. Shaquem had also lost a hand when he was a, a younger boy. And so the two of them were able to talk about um, some of their experiences that had together. So fast forward to the other night when ESPN decided that they were going to to give Taquarius the uh, uh, Jimmy V Award, and they actually had Shaquem Griffin be the person that presented it to him. So it was a really cool kind of a target your heart moment. And um, one of the things that was really interesting about it was, you know, he was getting emotional. His mother was getting emotional. And then apparently off screen, Shaquem Griffin's mother was also getting emotional with it too. And she kind of popped on screen and, and gave a wave to to, to Aquarius and his mother and his the rest of his family that was there just because they were sharing in this emotional moment together. So I would really encourage you to take a second 
go over and watch this video because it really is heart touching. And, and I wish uh, people knew more about this story because the spirit that TQ has really embodies what the Jimmy V award is supposed to be. Um, and for those of you who don't know what the Jimmy V award is, it's named after the, the former North Carolina state head basketball coach, Jim Valvano, um, with an impassioned speech he gave in 1993 at the SB awards. Um, Chris, were you, do you remember that speech as a kid at all? Because for me, it was right at a, a pinnacle point where it was very impactful for me. Yeah. So I was super young. I was, uh, not even one years old. <laughs> oh, you're making me feel old here, buddy. <laughs> but uh, as you might know, Jay, I come from a very Italian family, so uh, there are certainly connections with the Valvano um, coach and and the love of, of basketball and the love that my family uh, has for, for coaches like him. So he was one of my grandfather's favorite players. Um, and that speech, I, I still watch it probably once a year till this yeah. till this day and 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 uh i think that north carolina state basketball team that won the national championship that year it's probably one of the best stories in the history of sports so um definitely a lot of connections there but but no i was a, i was a little young at that point <laughs> the thing about it for me watching that is and and it doesn't matter like when you see greatness and you can recognize it whether it's a speech or athletic achievement or or just somebody who excels in their field regardless that speech to me is one of those, like you said, that it doesn't matter when you were born, doesn't matter what you were doing or what line of work you are in. You can watch it and you can get something from it and use it as motivation. And it was one of those things for Valvano having, but you could tell he was the gregarious guy and, and coming from that, that storybook North Carolina State Championship team. When he gave that speech, he was two months away from from basically dying of terminal cancer. He knew that he had terminal cancer. And in that speech, it was all about family and love and passion and trying to live your best life. And, and the, the pieces from that speech that get replayed over and over and over again, and I've tried to use it in my life at times where, you know, you feel down or whatever. It's just, it's the chunk where he says, don't give up, don't ever give up. Cancer can take away all of my physical abilities. It can't touch my mind. It cannot touch my heart and it cannot touch my soul. And those three things will carry on forever. And I think given the times that we're in currently and everything that's going on, that kind of mentality is something that everybody can latch on to when they're down and when they need a little bit of extra help. And hopefully we can all come together. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. And just to live by those words by Coach Jim Valvano. Well, Jay is getting very deep on us heading into his uh, July 4th break, which I, I, it's, it is very awesome. So thank you for including that in the show. I think my favorite part about the speech, other than the one that you just rehearsed, was when they started playing the music to try to get him off the stage because he was going a little long. And he said, what are you playing that music for? I'm, 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 I'm going to be dead in, in 20 days. I'm not waiting for anybody. I'll be up here as long as I want to. <laughs> So that's correct. Yeah, that was uh, to have the humor, uh, the life and uh, the, the courage that he had in, in those final days was was pretty amazing. So um, we'll wrap the show up on that. Um, thank you again, Jay, for putting together such a great outline for the show. Thank you to Nate Stanley for joining the show. Um, as we'll, we'll remind you, we will be taking a break next week for the 4th of July as the entire Minnesota Vikings organization is off and out of the building. Um, we'll be back on July 8th for another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. It will be fourth round pick DJ Wanham 
um, who is definitely a player you will want to track, um, who will be a big part of the Vikings defensive line. So, so stay tuned for that. But while you're waiting, check out Vikings.com for all the latest Vikings news. Check out the write-up on Taquarius Ware on the ESPY award. Um, that is on Vikings.com by Lindsey Young, I believe, which is pretty incredible. Um, staff writer Eric Smith has done a great job um, covering the community efforts in the Twin Cities, including the Vikings helping partner High V load up some food trucks with donations that will be distributed all over the Twin Cities to local food banks um, throughout the area. And then Craig Peters has done an awesome job breaking down film and doing these X's and O's features on all these Vikings rookies, um, including one that he did on linebacker Troy Dye, um, who has some pretty great film. Also, a former guest of the Minnesota Vikings podcast um, at the University of Oregon. He was an absolute stud. Uh, so check that out. But yeah, check out all our content on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, YouTube. Um, a lot to check out this time of year as we get set for hopefully what is a Minnesota Vikings training camp uh, where the players can participate and the coaches can get their hands back on the players because I know that's what they're all excited to do. So thank you again for tuning in to another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Have a safe and healthy July 4th week, and we will see you in two weeks.